Welcome to the Father and Son Pastoral Podcast. Today's episode is the third call of Peter. I love this passage because Jesus is about to strip away Peter's lifelong passion, Mm. which was working on the sea. Mm -hmm. Jesus will remove Peter's identity as a man who earns his trade by fishing, and the Lord is going to ask him for the final time to leave his life's employment behind. Mm. I mean, that's such a big, big step in his life. And how relevant for today with our lives. Jesus will call Peter to full-time ministry, a calling that will end up costing him his life. However, as we'll see, when Jesus calls you away from something, he calls you to something. And in Peter's case, it is the fish for men. He's going to define Peter's new life. Um, After he submits to this third calling, Jesus will take him and the five other disciples, along with the crowd of followers, up on a hill, Mm. and he will define their new identities in his Sermon on the Mount. Jesus may rip away Peter's old identity, but he'll redefine him in the greatest sermon ever preached. Mm. So uh, this passage is vital because it reflects the reality of all those who come to Christ. We must be willing to give up our old identity and be defined by the Lord. Right. And I think that's a big problem. A lot of us don't want to get rid of our old identities. But uh, this is Podcast 20 in the Jesus Said That series, looking at every word Jesus spoke in the New Testament. Today's episode is titled, Jesus Calls Peter for the Third Time and the Miraculous Catch. And this is taken from Luke chapter 5. I would say, though, that the greatest miracle in this passage is not the catching of a lot of fish. It is really catching Peter and having him fully committed to full-time ministry. Because he calls him two other times, and then he tends to go right back to fishing. Uh, I'm Pastor Kenny Birch, Jr., Comer Manor Bible Church, associate pastor there. And I am joined by my father, graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, author of the FIRE series, and senior pastor at Comer Manor Bible Church, and uh, head of the Ken Birch, Ken J. Birch Senior Foundation. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. So get, all, get it all get in all there. there. Yeah, thank so, you. Anything you want to say before we uh, jump right into our text? It's so easy to look at scripture and think, what's the big deal? He's leaving the family business. He's going to go into ministry. I, I remember in 88, I became an associate pastor. And that year, I became a part-time staff. And uh, when I became the full-time in 91, I mean, I had all the security behind this big company behind me. And it was a big change. So this is... Um, uh, Peter is just a natural thing to want to go back to what you're comfortable with, and he, we have to trust the supernatural. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this is one of those passages that yeah. hits us hard. Are we willing to leave it all? Right. So we start in Luke 5, just 1 through 11. Mm-hmm. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by the lake Gennesaret. Yeah. Um, as we saw in the last podcast, Jesus put God's will above popularity. Uh, his ministry is booming. But then from Matthew 4.25, large crowds are following him from Galilee, Decapolis, mm-hmm. Jerusalem, Judea, beyond the Jordan. Uh, oh. Jesus is so popular here that the crowds are nearly crushing him because they are all trying to hear the word from God. Mm-hmm. Now, that was kind of last podcast, but that irony of here he is, his disciples want him to be popular. Yeah. He says, I'm going to leave this town and go to others to preach. And they're like, what? Why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he's way more popular mm-hmm. <laughs> than before. That's right. So that's just interesting. Absolutely. Uh, remember, there's no megaphones, loudspeaker systems. we got to remember that. So this large crowd is getting as close as they can to hear Jesus speak. Mm-hmm. Um, 
This text indicates that Jesus was around Lake Gennesaret, another name of the Sea of Galilee, which implies he was on the shore of the town of Gennesaret. Um, this was close to Jesus's home base and home of Simon Peter in Capernaum. So very close proximity. Uh, this is most likely where this account takes place. I think uh, it's, it's great because in, in Luke 4, uh, Jesus had a conference call with his father. He's going to preach. He's going to other cities. And he does look for an exit plane. You know, I think of when I watch uh, soccer and the referee and those folks who are passionate about their soccer. I don't know if I'm the referee, I'm probably <laughs> thinking of an exit plan uh, because if I make a call that one of the teams doesn't appreciate and, you know, 80,000 screaming fans, I'm probably thinking, how do I get out of here? Uh, Jesus instead, when he could be crushed, looks for a way to follow up on his father's mm -hmm. will of continuing to preach the gospel. That's impressive. Yeah. And uh, here he is, he's preaching and teaching and Here's this crowd. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, so he saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them mm -hmm. and were washing their nets. Now, just an interesting point I want to make. Notice that the fishermen were not fishing, yeah. but washing their nets. Mm -hmm. This passage is unique to Luke's gospel mm -hmm. and is different from Simon's first two calls. Yeah. Sometimes people try to say he was called twice, mm -hmm. but in one account, they're out fishing, mm -hmm. and this is clearly they're taking care of their nets, yes. washing them. So you, you can't kind of gel those two <laughs> if, right. uh, if the Bible's correct. So this is obviously a different account. Mm -hmm. So he got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. So you kind of just get this picture in your mind, and you've been to the Sea of Galilee, mm -hmm. so you can probably picture this even better. Mm. Jesus is teaching, and the crowds are pressing in. He sees two boats. He sees Simon, his friend. So he calls. He says, hey, can you know Simon, can I get in your boat and preach from there? So Simon, you know, being good friends with Jesus at this time, Jesus gets in the boat, and then he just starts to teach from the boat, and then he's nice and safe, and the people can kind of all gather around him. I, I kind of chuckle because the Sea of Galilee is literally a lake. Mm. Uh, the derivative is from Kenur, which means a harp. And, and I'm thinking, you know, these people pressing Jesus, when they always tell you, you know, they make fun that when we go to heaven, we all get our harps. Yeah. Well, uh, they're pressing in mm. on him, but he's still looking for a way to communicate yeah. God's word. He's, he's looking for ways to teach God's word. And that just continues to stand out here in all that he's going through. He's going to fulfill his mission. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let your nets for a catch. Let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long mm. and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. Um, I think two things to notice here. The first observation is kind of obvious, mm -hmm. yet thought of invoking. Mm -hmm. uh, Simon's... Uh, the disciples spent the entire night fishing. A good question to ask is why? <laughs> if he's a disciple, why is he out there fishing? Mm -hmm. uh, it's possible he was trying to earn some money for his family or, sure. or was helping his family business or even trying to support Jesus because we see that. But why was a man who was called to ministry before spending his time in his old profession? Mm -hmm. And this is where I think it's very possible that he was backsliding or that he truly did not want to give up his passion, mm -hmm. fishing. 
uh, and he wanted to keep fishing instead of full-time ministry. It was something he was used to. Mm -hmm. um, after all, this is the same man that when Jesus had died, he took some of the other disciples back to the only thing he knew, fishing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Jesus would once again have to call him back to the ministry. Um, the saying is said, you could take Simon away from the sea, but you could not take the sea out of Simon. Uh, right. I think it's in his blood. The other thing to notice is that Simon had faith in Jesus's word. So it's mm -hmm. not like Simon's some bad guy. He's exactly. still that great disciple. Yeah. Uh, Simon, not Jesus, was the professional fisherman, yet going against all logic, he obeyed Jesus's command. So he said, hey, I fished all night, but I'll still listen to you because uh, you're still Messiah. It defies logic. Um, two things a Galilee fisherman knew not to do hmm. is exactly what Jesus tells him to do. You, you fish at night when the sun's not bright and you don't go into the deep. You stay in the shallow water. But the, uh, a, an interesting word in verse five, master, epistate, uh, and the Greek term means uh, someone that is standing over. It's used of a king, but also of a ship's commander. So although it doesn't make sense, uh, Peter does recognize Jesus is in charge and recognizes him. And, and that's your definition of faith. You take God at his word and you act upon it. And so although Peter struggling, and I agree with you, it's interesting. We always find him on water and, and Jesus has to pull him back out, so to speak. Um, he, he's going to show what tr true faith is. Even when it doesn't make sense, you obey God. Yeah. So... So true. Now, if we are on the allegory, you can make some great sermons out of that. That's right. You sure can. You know, when Jesus pulls him out of the water, it was because yeah. his faith was in the water, not yeah. Jesus. But yeah, not true. But <laughs> make for it's probably a song somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure. So when they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So yeah. I, I, we've seen it in media. Uh, that's the best way we can probably picture it, and it's just like wow. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, how do you have so many fish that it's sinking your boat? <laughs> now, these boats were, I did some research, were about uh, 26 feet long, it's believed, seven and a half feet wide and four and a half feet deep. So to fill up these boats with fish was a lot of fish. A lot of fish. Okay, so it's yeah. just, I mean, to make it start to sink. Now, this is where get, the passage really starts to get interesting. Mm -hmm. Most people focus on the fish. Yeah. Where I like to focus what happens after this miraculous catch. Mm -hmm. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I am a sinful man, Lord. Now, why would he say such amazing thing? Um, let's just look at verse 9. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. Mm -hmm. Now, most commentators simply say that Peter realized that Jesus was the Messiah and said that he was unworthy worthy to serve Jesus. Mm -hmm. But this never made sense to me <clears throat> because he had been with Jesus yeah. for quite a long time, has seen crazy lot of miracles. Mm -hmm. um, think about all the things we've covered in the podcast. He's witnessed right. most of that. Right. So why all of a sudden is he like, mm. get away from me, I'm a sinner? Mm -hmm. um, after all, by this point, Jesus had seen Jesus, uh, Simon had seen Jesus do greater things than the catch of fish. Just a small list. He had seen Jesus heal the sick and dying people. Mm. He saw him raise someone from the dead. <laughs> he saw him speak to demons. 
and cast them out of people. He personally witnessed Jesus doing great signs and wonders. So why all of a sudden does he say, depart from me? Mm. It doesn't make sense. And I think it was. This is just a guess, and you can throw in yours. Mm -hmm. But maybe it was because he kept pulling away from Jesus to his business of fishing. I think he was putting his making money, providing for his family, all noble things and above themselves. But he had already been called to ministry, but he kept returning to the sea. And Jesus, now for the third time, is going to call him back to ministry. Uh, so we always see the number three mm -hmm. with Simon. Simon is called three times by Jesus. Mm -hmm. Simon denies Jesus three times. And then finally, Jesus restores Simon three times. <laughs> so there seems to be a little pattern here. Um, if I can just chime yeah, in, it go. just seems as if Peter is more interested in reeling than fish, and Jesus is more interested in reeling than Peter. Yeah. And to show him that, hey, Peter, you know, if you stick with me, uh, your life can be really productive because mm -hmm. you're abiding in me. And I, I've been just meditating on the John 15 passage. I am the vine, you are the branches. Mm -hmm. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. So obviously I think Jesus is pulling uh, Peter away from the former, uh, bringing him back to himself and just saying, if you just obey my word, trust me, I can provide for all you need and I can give you a very fruitful life. Uh, in the in the process, but that's what obedience yeah. does. Yeah, and and we see because um, we keep referencing these three calls. That's right. So let's just see them first. Uh, the sure. first call was in John one through two. Jesus meets Peter via Andrew and travels with him to a wedding in Canaan. Mm -hmm. It's implied that Jesus called Peter since Peter follows Jesus and assists him in his early ministry. However, it appears that he goes back to fishing. So in that, we don't see a real text of come follow me. Yeah. But I mean, he followed him around. He did, yeah. <laughs> he did a bunch of yeah. stuff for a while. Although the words not there obviously him. did. So yeah. obviously he was uh, called at that time. Sure. I mean, unless he's like a stalker, which yeah. I don't think. Mm -hmm. So his second call, and we find this in Matthew 4 and Mark 1, Jesus calls Peter and Andrew to follow him as mm -hmm. they are busy fishing on their boats. Now, it's important to see they were fishing. Yeah. They weren't cleaning their nets. They're fishing. And a distinction is there that you make, and I think it's a great point. And yet Jesus was doing the same sort of thing. Come follow me, mm. and I will make you fishers of men. He's trying to get uh, oh. Simon Peter away from the fishing industry to the reeling in of men. Yeah. So it, it's sort of the same thought, yeah. but he, he's really reeling is. them in. Yeah. And he comes, follows Jesus for quite a while, mm -hmm. sees a lot of amazing things, yeah. and yet goes back to fishing. Mm -hmm. So now we're in Luke 5, and Jesus calls Peter again. And we, know, we just went over the story. Mm -hmm. So he says, come and follow me. Yeah. But this time when he catches the fish, he falls on his knees and says, he's a sinner. Because I think he knows what's coming. I mm -hmm. think Jesus, I think he knows Jesus is about to say, come follow me. Yeah. And he, he falls down and says, depart from me. I'm a sinner. Right. You know, I'm, I'm not good enough for you. Down in verse 10, we'll get to in a moment. There's a major change because it's from now on, yeah. from now on. And uh, it's, this is a significant moment in Peter's yeah. life. He definitely wasn't Paul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he wasn't Paul who just, Lord, what do you want me to do? Yeah. And then just <laughs> does it faithfully the rest of his life, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. But just really 
quick to emphasize this. Point. Sure, go ahead. Uh, let's just look at what happened after each call, mm-hmm. just to show that th- this final call was a big deal, mm. and that he knew Jesus. Okay. He knew him very well. It's not that kind of joke I made in podcast past about how a random guy named Jesus shows up, calls uh, Peter, and then he just follows him, right. you know, which is kind of our Hollywood view. So we remember Andrew brings Simon the fisherman who invites them along with James and John to follow him to Jesus. So now at this point, that was the first call. So Simon, Andrew, James, and John travel with Jesus to Cana Mm -hmm. and meet Philip and Nathaniel on the way. Mm -hmm. Simon sees Jesus perform his first miracle, pardon me, at the wedding in Cana and believes in Jesus. So at this point, it even says that his disciples believed in him. Simon travels with Jesus and has a quick stay in Capernaum with Jesus's family. Simon goes to the temple for the Passover with Jesus and watches him clear the temple. Mm-hmm. Simon baptizes converts while Jesus preaches to large crowd. This is when they're with John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. Simon leaves Judea with Jesus after John the Baptist is arrested. Simon travels with Jesus through Samaria and helps Jesus minister to the people of Sychar. Simon assists Jesus as he preaches in Galilee and witnesses Jesus' conversation with the nobleman. Simon, now this is when he might have gone back to fishing. Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden he kind of disappears out of the text, yeah. which I find that as a point that I just kind of marked mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. So Simon possibly watches the people of Nazareth as they try to throw Jesus off a cliff. Simon possibly watches Jesus move to Capernaum. Simon lived in a house in Capernaum with his wife and family. Uh, so I would probably think after Jesus started witnessing to the noblemen and stuff, it looks like Simon went back to his house. That's mm-hmm. what I would think. They try to kill Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus moves out of Nazareth, moves to Capernaum, where Peter yeah. is, and he finds Simon has returned to fishing with his brother. Yeah. And that brings us to the second call. Yeah. As Jesus walks along the shore, he calls Simon and the others to follow him. Simon watches as Jesus teaches with great authority in Capernaum. Simon watches Jesus' first exorcism mm-hmm. in a synagogue. Simon invites Jesus to his house, and he, Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. After Simon's mother-in-law is healed, many sick and demon-possessed people are brought to Jesus and healed. Simon and the others watch as Jesus' fame and popularity grows. Mm-hmm. But once again, what happens? Simon returns to fishing with his brother Andrew as Jesus ministers around the Sea of Galilee. Mm-hmm. Then we see Simon fishes all night and does not catch anything. Jesus draws a huge crowd and teaches on Simon's boat. Mm -hmm. After teaching, Jesus asks Simon to go fishing. Simon catches many fish. And then this is when Simon finally confesses that he is sinful and for Jesus to get away from him. And Jesus calls him the full-time ministry. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more context there. He he knows Jesus at this point. Yeah. So what can now we can, I think, really understand Simon Peter's words. He says, go away from me because I'm a sinful man, Lord. Mm It's kind of like that person who knows they're supposed to be doing ministry or yeah, they're supposed to be serving the Lord and keep drifting off. Yeah. And then you kind of get that confrontation and you just realize how bad you are. For he and all those who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. So Luke shares with us that James and John were Simon's fishing partners. And I I like that Jesus told these men not to be afraid. He's not going to harm them. He's not going to chastise them. 
He was simply calling them to fish for people. In other words, this is a full-time call. There are two significant things, um, I I think, right there in verse 10. Don't be afraid. Uh, The most repeated command in all of Scripture, because obvious at this point, Peter is afraid uh, because I think in the back of his mind, he knows he's neglected his primary call. And then the words, I just want to take one moment and zero in on them from now on. Mm -hmm. I remember preaching through Luke, coming upon these words and found that these are favorite words of Luke. Mm -hmm. They're used when something significant happens. In other words, Jesus steps in and forever uh, changes their lives. Just a couple of references uh, back in the uh, Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 1. Uh, in verse 48 about Mary, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant, for behold, and then here's our term from now on is translated in the New King James, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Because Jesus stepped into her life, she's saying from now on, from this point onward, it will never be the same. And then in the book of Acts, again, Luke's the, uh, the author of Paul after he gets stoned yeah. <laughs> trying to reach the Jews uh, in 18.6, from now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Same exact Greek expression, from now on, uh, from this point onward, things will not be the same. Yeah. Paul was initially told that he would be ministering to the Gentiles, and he goes, okay, enough with these Jewish yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go and focus on what God has given me to do yeah. there. But from now on, so this is significant, yeah. and I don't think those words appear uh-huh. randomly. So I think everything you've led up to uh, making the case that Peter keeps going back to fishing uh, for fish instead of men, this shows a significant change. Uh-huh. And uh, so what happens? They brought their boats to land, mm-hmm. left everything, and followed him. Um, so they beached their ships, and they left it. The fish, the business, their old lives, and follow Jesus. Yeah, Simon doesn't return to fishing, at least not in the Bible, till after Jesus died and was resurrected. That's right. So, I just think note that he was faithful to Jesus's ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus would then give Simon Peter another miraculous catch that would trigger all the memories of today's account. Mm. So this, I kind of feel like this is the first of the bookends. Mm-hmm. This is the you know, you're committed to Christ. Yeah. And then the other one is Jesus shows up and, you know, feed my sheep, feed mm-hmm. my lambs, so yeah. forth. Um, Simon would be called by Jesus three times. He denies Jesus three times. And the final bookend is Jesus would affirm him three times. Oh, yeah. So let's just keep on moving here because our passage is almost done. So we see that Simon was the faithful fisher of men. Yeah. Um, Simon gets a bad rap with a lot of Christians, I kind of feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was just, uh, he was a family man, sure. and he had a lot of responsibilities, and then he happens to be called by the Messiah, yeah. and I think he's trying to balance all of that. And sometimes he makes foolish choices, as we all do. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I think Jesus knew what he would become. That's right. Simon becomes the leader of the 12 disciples. That's right. Again, I think that if you go back to much of the earlier podcast, I, I truly believe most of the disciples were teenagers just mm-hmm. because of the culture. That's right. Um, Simon's a married man, so it kind of makes sense that he's the leader of the disciples. You know, I know when I'm with 
being a married man with children, when I'm with single guys, they generally look up to you just because mm. you're the one with a little more experience. Sure. So um, could be a little older than them. Mm -hmm. um, he's going to preach on Pentecost and 3,000 people will be saved. He'll become the leader of the church. He will write two books of the Bible and be the source behind another. Mm -hmm. He will faithfully guide the church even in his 80s. He will be killed for his faith, as Jesus foretells. Mm -hmm. And although he makes mistakes, he will be a faithful leader till the end. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting. Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Um, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. Mm. So it, it was just his time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we can learn a lot from it. So That's let's get... Uh, unless you have a comment, uh, no. Yeah, okay, well, let's yeah. get let's get to our employment. Mm -hmm. um, what can we learn from this? What can we apply from this? We always talk about this, but you just don't want it to be Jesus story time. Mm -hmm. and, oh, what great story could I talk about today? Yeah. It's got to be okay. This is what the text says, and then this is how we apply it. Mm -hmm. So first, you see how it really applied to them. Uh, Simon kept returning to the sea. Although Jesus had called Simon multiple times, Simon kept going back. The sea was his business, and he seemed to love it. Uh, Simon had learned had to learn the importance of forsaking what he loved and had to put God's will above his own. He needed to forsake his dream for the sake of the cross. And we see that in Matthew 10, uh, 37 through 38. The one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. I'll give you a couple other verses yeah, to, to just add to yeah. it because those are great. People ignore these verses. Mm -hmm. But when you're called to the ends of the earth, uh, to that remote part, yeah. um, there are times you have to make choices where Jesus let the dead bury the dead. Mm -hmm. People don't understand that. But when you have the call, it's I'm 100% committed to Jesus Christ. Uh, parallel idea in Matthew 16, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And then he gives the explanation for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And you don't find your life until you lose your life and you're co-crucified with Christ in position. And then you really find out the God's purpose for your life, and it becomes ever so meaningful. Others might not get it, but as long as the Father is pleased because you've denied yourself, you've taken up the cross, you're following Him, you lose your life, and you get so much of a greater identity than you ever had before. Yeah, and uh, I, I believe this is broad in the sense that um, yes, He became a disciple, He became an apostle. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I see relevancy in my life as a pastor. Sure. But I think all people should see the relevancy, all Christians, mm -hmm. because when you follow him, you're taking up your cross, you're taking up that electric chair, you're taking up that lethal injection. That's right. In other words, you're probably going to die mm -hmm. for this, is what Jesus is telling them. Mm -hmm. And it's not like it's changed that much that we can say, oh, well, I just need to be comfortable. I just have to be happy. That's right. Jesus calls us away from that. Mm -hmm. Uh, just a funny kind of story. I was teaching on a Sunday at church, some of the young children, um, uh, preteens. And we were talking uh, about Zacchaeus and how he, he, how he changed, became mm -hmm. generous. And um, the dis uh, discussion got to pastors. And 
I explained that how when we give, you know, some money goes to pastors, some goes to missionaries, some to the upkeep, because uh, we know all this, but you think of like preteen kids, they, sure. don't, they don't think of those types of things. So one of the kids said, oh, I thought all the money goes to charity. So then I explained to him, you know, with uh, pastors, we get paid, but watch out for the pastors yeah. who are making uh, a killing off of it. They have mm-hmm. like three Lexuses, private jets. Or they're living so above the people yeah. they're serving right. that they just lose that relevancy. And one of the kids in the class who cracks me up, he looked and said, yeah, I know my daddy makes way more than you make. <laughs> it was funny. But but I was, this verse kind of came up. Sure. That's the correlation. And I yeah, was just right. explaining that, you know, as a pastor, you have to be willing to give up stuff. Um, you can't follow your dreams, your the things you originally wanted to do because you're following Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was telling them that's what they have to do. They have to do the same. They have to be willing to say, maybe I'm not going to chase the money. Maybe I'm not going to go after that thing I really want because uh, it's all Christ and His cross. So, mm-hmm. but a question I need to ask myself: How often do I resist God's word to follow my own passions and pursuits? Mm-hmm. How relevant is that? Um, I feel like if you had 100% participation in the church, um, if you had everybody serving with their gifts, um, just imagine that in America. Mm -hmm. If you had every Christian church with everybody saying, I'm not pursuing my own passion or pursuits, but I'm pursuing my giftedness, the church, using my creativity for the church, using my gifts for the church, using my resources for the church, sure. how different things would be. Right. Um, and that's God's will, but mm-hmm. um, how often do people resist? And then a thought, have I embraced Jesus' calling in my life to follow him, or do I keep backsliding into following my own dreams and fulfilling my own goals? Mm-hmm. Have I put, put Jesus' call to discipleship above everything else. And that's Ephesians 2.10. Yeah. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree that uh, a lot of people put their their income or their job way before the church in the sense of if their job calls them to go somewhere or their job says, we'll give you more money if you work on Sunday or um, go here, even though there's not a church there that most, a lot of people would just follow the money. It's um, the excuses. Um, there's an open door, uh, <laughs> oh, right? I, I've been offered this position. I'm gonna make tons of money, but I won't. I won't be anywhere where I can worship God. I won't be anywhere I can, you know, do well, anything the line for is, God. Find a church. Yeah, we'll and, find and, and and that's it. So Jesus nailed it. You can't serve two masters. Mm-hmm. Um, I counsel as you do young people going into the workforce and I always tell them the same thing, find a job. You don't have to work on Sunday. If, if Sunday is a day that the Lord has set apart for the early church yeah. to worship him, then make it a priority from the yeah. go. Start to establish the priorities in your life that God establishes in his word and, and you will do fine. So I couldn't agree with you more. Most people will follow, uh, the money trail or whatever will give them more notoriety yeah. Or will give them a greater, you know, pat on the back. Yeah. And often, uh, the way to greatness is by the sacrifice, and that's why Jesus' standard just turns it all upside down. The word I've learned to hate is security. Yeah, I need security. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when in the Christian life are we guaranteed security? Right. But um, other than thankfully the Holy Spirit sealing us, exactly. But uh, 
uh, I, that's just something I think this message goes so against the culture mm-hmm. that we leave it all to follow Christ. That's right. And obviously, we're not saying everyone needs to leave their jobs and all that. Mm-hmm. Where you are placed, you need to view that as the place to fish for people. <laughs> yeah. Where God has placed you, that is where that's your fishing ground. Um, it's not, I go to work and then I come and fish in the town my church is in. It's now I fish wherever God has placed me. And you and I have a, a slightly different path to ministry. God called you early on, which I think is priceless. Sure. Uh, I wasn't called till later. I had 12 years in a secular uh, workforce. All the degrees I earned um, that helped me to understand the Bible better were earned when I was in ministry working full time. Yeah. And I remember the things I had to give up. We all enjoyed sports. Oh. You know, I brought you guys up. I took you down, taught you how to play baseball, tennis, oh. football, everything. But then when I had these things where now I'm called to ministry and Christ needs to be my own all, I, it was no longer watching all the football games. Oh. It was no longer watching baseball like I like and, and doing those things. Um, I, there are things you have to give up. And you, there are seasons where something might be appropriate, but then another season, oh. you know, the, the calling replaces those things. I did so gladly. I don't miss it. I had a great season with when you guys were growing up, taking the baseball games and playing. (laughs) But when I got called to ministry at that season, there was a lot I had to give up so I could focus on my, on learning the word, taking care of the family, three small sons and spending time with my wife. So things had to go. And I think sadly, you and I experience regularly that particularly men will not give up the thing that they should give up in order to serve Christ. And at the end of the day, it's their pleasure, yeah. you know, and that, right. and that truly is their God. So um, the thought, have I embraced Jesus's calling in my life and follow him? Or do I keep backsliding to following my own dreams and fulfilling my own goals? Have I put Jesus's call to a discipleship above everything else? And this is Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship. Notice why you exist, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Yeah which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. All right. So then it brings us to our second point. Simon left everything behind to follow Jesus. Simon made the difficult choice and left his old life behind to follow Christ. Hmm. The next time Simon goes fishing is after Jesus died and rose again. Hmm. The rest of Simon's life was focusing on catching men and women for Jesus Christ. And this leads us into Matthew 19, which is a legitimate question. That's right. Peter responded to him, Jesus, see, we have left everything and followed you. So what will there be for us? And I think that's a good question. When you follow Christ, why shouldn't you ask, what's in it for me? <laughs> yeah. I think it's <laughs> you know, a legitimate question. Uh, it's, it's legit. They had just watched the rich young ruler, because that's what's the passage before in Matthew 19, walk away. Yeah. And his money meant more than his, um, his God, his soul, as Michael Card would write in a song. And they did. And when it says left everything, they left everything and followed him. Jesus never corrected his followers for asking what their reward is. Huh. He often corrected them how they were going about because they're always debating on who's <laughs> going to be the greatest in the rivalry. And that's where he says you have to become the slave of all and the servant of all. You have to give it all up. But he never corrects them. For wanting greatness, it's just how they got there. So this is such a legitimate question as you're looking at everybody else who owns properties and they own, uh, you know, multiple houses and multi- and you're going, I'm just trying to maintain one. <laughs> and and you're struggling to do that. 
And this is such a relevant question because they will be rewarded out of 12 apostles by sitting on literal 12 thrones. And that's uh, verse 28 here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jesus said to them, truly I tell you in the renewal of all things, which yeah. I would say is the kingdom, yeah. um, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields because of my name will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. So um, it's worth it to leave it all. It's just temporal, you know, these things. And these are the eternal rewards. That's why uh, Paul says, I discipline and beat my body to keep it in the submission. That's why I preach to others. I become disqualified. Disqualified from what? Losing salvation? Uh, no. His eternal reward. Uh, John would say, look to yourselves that you do not lose your reward. Uh, these are the things that should be ahead of us that we anticipate um, greatly. Yeah. So a uh, question I need to ask myself, which Simon am I like? Mm. Am I like the one who embraced his old life or am I like the one who left everything to follow Jesus? And a thought, what have I given up in my life in order to be discipled by Jesus? What dreams have I forsaken for the sake of the cross? And uh, I just think that's getting real. You know, right. How can we do this Christian life right? Um, I think we're caught up too much in America with luxuries, mm -hmm. having great things, but where they replace this calling of just following Jesus Christ, where we're not willing to sacrifice a lot. It's kind of like if I'm comfortable, then it kind of, the church, Christ, everything kind of comes after that, mm -hmm. where it should be, what am I actually giving up? for the sake of the cross. Any last thoughts before we end here? Yeah, Paul was unique. You referenced him earlier. He gets saved. Lord, what do you want me to do? Yeah. The reality is for most of us that we start to grow in our Christian life and then realize what we're called to, to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And the scripture makes it very clear. When we sacrifice for the Lord, there will come a time when we have rewards that are just eternal in oh. nature and nothing can compare to that. So um, that was podcast 20. Jesus calls Peter for the third time and the miraculous catch of fish, which was taken from Luke 5, 1 through 11. So now that Simon has had his identity stripped away, uh, and at least how I do my chronological timeline, mm -hmm. we're going to go to the Sermon on the Mount. And I really think when Jesus starts to define um, who those in his kingdom are, he's really talking to Peter and those who said, we've left everything. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do we have now? And he's going to say, you know, you're poor in spirit, you hunger for righteousness sake. Right. And I, I think this Sermon on the Mount, obviously there's a crowd with them. As we saw, there was just a crowd yeah. uh, following. So I, I think this fits. He finishes talking to Simon. Simon follows him. They're going to walk up on this mountain. That crowd who was clamoring is going to come and listen to him. He's going to start to teach them. Mm. So uh, I, that's where we're going with the Sermon on the Mount, which mm. I, I can't wait for. Absolutely. So, uh, we'll have to tell Podcast 21, right. but uh, we'll see you next time.